Well, these are genuine Oreo cookies from your quick trip corner store, and so we're so excited for those. Thank you so much, Pastor Edgar, Elder Voltaire. Give it up for our build team today, our ushers. They did incredible, didn't they? Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 20. We're going to be there in just a moment. This um, table is exceptionally tall for a five foot seven person, but uh, I'm going to leave it right there and we'll get around it. Uh, Matthew chapter 20, we're going to be there. I want to share a couple of things that I really feel like God wants to highlight to us this morning as we're talking about Luminous Church Family Reunion. How many of you grew up going to family reunions? Can I see some hands? Oh, 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 come on. Come on now. So you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Every family reunion has a little different culture, doesn't it? Has a little different something on it and um and so you probably this may bring bring up good memories for you as you hear family reunion and it may bring up some poor memories you know i mean may some be some embarrassing memories or something like that we hope that um as we grab grab god's word and just see how we fit into his family that this would be eye-opening for you now I probably should pray because that's just appropriate before we start the word. And Pastor Austin prayed before his sermon last week, and it was awesome. So I'm hoping for the same blessing. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. So grateful for you. Grateful for who you are, for your church, Luminous Church. Memorial weekend, God, it's a moment and a weekend that we celebrate family and the freedom that we have in this country. I don't want to undermine or dismiss what we celebrate tomorrow. And so, Lord, being a family in this room and enjoying this family in our nation is a great honor. And so, Lord, we pray that we would be able to enjoy one another wholly. God, for, from the picnics and the barbecues and everything else that happens tomorrow, would you be glorified? Would you be honored? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as many of you know, I have been building a bonus room upstairs at my house. And I really felt like the Lord wanted us to build out this bonus room so we could host different people. We love having people stay with us and host them. And we started this adventure back in November. And with all of our stimulus money, some of our stimulus money, we built this out because we felt like the Lord wanted us to build this out so that we could host other people well. And so that's what we set out to do. And, and it was incredible. We had David and Lauren Oaks over Friday night with their children. They were up playing in the bonus room, just having a tremendous time. It was really awesome. And I was so thankful for that. But I also plumbed and ran electric to a bathroom, but I was running out of time. How many run out of time on your projects? Anybody have half done projects around the house uh, where maybe you attempted something and it's still not quite working well, huh, Chase? And so maybe all of us have things like that. We all have these half done projects. I saw my bathroom and it needed a bunch of tile. Now, if you know me and anything about me, I'm going to let you in on something. If you know me, you already know this. If you don't know me, here's my personality. I'm a perfectionist. I love to be excellent in everything. Doesn't mean I am a perfectionist. I just love the idea of perfection, right? I love the idea of excellence. And so I had this special pattern of tile that I was going to lay out in my bathroom. And I was so excited about this pattern. But I knew this pattern was very labor intensive. Like there was no way I was going to lay this out with the time that I had allotted. So I called my friend Carlos. 
Carlos does some handiwork and, and does different things. I go, Carlos, I have this bathroom. And I need you to tile it. Come look at it. Here's what I want to do, this hair and bone pattern. I got this inset with these LED lights. I mean, I just over-engineered this thing. David will love it. And, uh, and so I made this, and he goes, yeah, no problem, no problem. I can do it. How long are you going to take? Maybe about five days. About five days, awesome. Let's do it. So Carlos came every day on time and he left on time and I went up to the bathroom and I realized Carlos is not progressing as fast as he should progress in order to meet his timeline of five days I mean, no, that's true with some projects so he kept going and kept interacting and and kept showing up and day six he shows up and day seven he shows up day 10 Carlos shows up I go Carlos how much longer do you think this is going to take? Ah, oh, just a few more days. Okay, that's awesome. We're bringing him dinner every night. He's staying out late. His wife hates us. And, uh, and, and he's working very hard on this tiled bathroom. He is there every day, you know, working, leaving late, working really hard. He, too, is a perfectionist, which I like. That's the person you want to hire. But it's day 15. And then day 20. And then it's day 26. Carlos, are you making any money here? Am I going to have to pay your rent this month? Because it's 26 days. Day 30. Carlos is finally done with this tiled bathroom. Come on. Give Carlos a hand. Come on. I'm sure he's watching. 30 days to tile a bathroom. To tile a bathroom. That is insane. That is a very, very Long job, tedious job. There was a lot of cuts. There was a lot of things. I want to liken that to what we're talking about today. The fact is that if you're doing life alone, it's going to take a long time to do what God's called you to do. So you see, Carlos showed up every day. He was on time. He worked hard. He, he did everything that I asked him to do. He was doing it with excellence. But Carlos kept showing up to my house alone. He didn't bring anybody with him to run up and down the cuts for the tile. He didn't bring anybody with him to to tag team and tile this bathroom. So five days turns to 30 days. And I think oftentimes in the church, when we set out to do what God's called us to do, we wonder why it's taking us so long. Oftentimes, it's because we may be working alone. We may be working by ourselves. Ecclesiastes 2.9 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. That when two or more people are together, they're accomplishing a lot more of what God has called them to accomplish. You may see this in your own life where you realize that I can get more done if I partner with somebody else. When you go off to college, all our college students, or maybe you can think back to that time. If you wanted to get anything done at university, you would join a student union. You would join this union because that's where you could accomplish things together as a team. A lot of us, when we have these hashtag you know, fit goals where we want to be all ripped. I'm, I'm, I'm digressing real poorly in my body and physique right now. But for those who want to do that, right, you join a CrossFit gym. 
a CrossFit box because in there we got a group, we got a community. We can encourage one another. We can help one another out. You join a sports team, you accomplish more. You, you, you hire physical trainers. You, you know this is like when two are gathered together, they accomplish more than you are alone. This is God's design for his church. To be a church family, he's designed us to be in it together to accomplish his mission on earth. This is what he wants for us. And we all come together for different purposes throughout life and society. How many of you are involved in maybe some nonprofits? How many of you are involved in maybe some, maybe you're in a team at work. You're in a team maybe in your neighborhood where you have some HOA participation, perhaps. You see, teams accomplish more than they do individually. But it is hard. How many know a team is hard? To be in a family is very difficult, isn't it, church? Amen. You're like, oh, man, y'all are so quiet right now. You're like, man, dude, you're so right right now. I don't even want you to talk about my family. You see, church family is this place where we gather together to accomplish God's work, that we would not be isolated or work alone, because in a family, it compounds the mission and it allows for multiplication. You see, the kingdom was all about multiplication. It was all about multiplying. It wasn't just Jesus calling one disciple. He called many disciples. The early church, when they gathered together, they were gathered together with families, coming together, sharing all that they had in common. How many of you know it's hard to share with yourself? Right? That's, that's pretty hard to do. It's just called selfish, self-consumption. It's hard to share when it's just you. You have to have others to participate in that. And this is his idea of church family. And when I talk about church family, sometimes that is such a strong language. I mean, you know, family is strong language. Family's blood, it's adoption, it's all these things. I was listening to a theologian the other day on a podcast, and he was talking about the idea that the church really shouldn't use the word family. We should use the word community. Because you see, when, when you call it family, it makes it really hard to quit and go somewhere else. When you call it family, it's, it makes it really difficult to move on into maybe another family. So we should just call them communities. I understand that viewpoint. You see, it, there is a tendency for a church to call it a family, and it gets a little cultish, right? Where it's like, you're going where? You're leaving where? You're going CBC, what? You know? Uh, oh, Kills, are you sure you go there? You know, it makes it a little challenging, doesn't it? It makes it a little challenging when we, when we use the word family because it feels like you can never leave. But we don't want to undermine what God has put together in this place. We don't want to undermine or, or devalue what he's building together in this local church. You see, if you call it a community, there's a lot of communities that rally around causes, aren't there? There's a, uh, there's a CrossFit community. There's, there's your neighborhood community. There's all sorts of communities that exist. But communities are really easy to step into and step out of. Family is challenging. You, you, you realize that. Like when, when To step into a family is very challenging. 
to step into Luminous Church and everybody's so close-knit and they have those stories and they're telling the story about seven years ago and you weren't there seven years ago. So you're just trying to catch up and find your place. And then once you're in, it's like, if God calls you somewhere, oh, how do I let them know? See, there's a tension that we manage when we're talking about this word spiritual family. You see, spiritual family is those who belong to Christ around common Christian mission. And there is spiritual family that exists globally. It's called the church, the global church. It exists for all those who place their faith in Jesus and trust him. They step into this family, the global church, and then we have these local expressions. It's kind of like a family reunion. You realize like your immediate family shows up to the family reunion and you have some different cultures, some different flavors. How many know that's true? You step into your family reunion and, and some of you don't eat meat. Some of you are just vegetarians. You know, you step into it, uh, some of you don't work out. Some of you work out too much. You see, you have different cultures that come in, but you all have something in common. You're all blood. And us too, as Luminous, we have a certain culture here. We talk about things that maybe other churches don't lift up and talk about as much. We've talked about the injustices that have happened this past year and been vocal about that and have weeped with our brothers and sisters and those who have been persecuted. We've been a patient community where we didn't, we, we required masks until everybody had the opportunity in our family to get vaccinated if they wanted to. You see, we, we've held these tensions and we have a different culture than the church down the street. But I mean, no, the church down the street's still the family. They're still in the body, and we come together, and it's still amazing, but we represent something unique here at Luminous, some values. It's what I like to call spiritual family. God has called us to walk in spiritual family and not in isolation. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 says this, you were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is present present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. That we are grafted into this kingdom And we are called to be a part of a family that walks alongside of one another in an attitude of what? Oneness. You you can talk here. Everybody say oneness. Whoa, man, that was was powerful. I like that. Oneness. Spiritual family is oneness. It's oneness. It's, It's having things in common. It's having interest in common. It's keeping to the things of the faith that God has placed for us. This oneness, we find out who we are in this oneness. In spiritual family, as we read in this verse, you find out who you are. You see, the whole world is searching for their identity. Who am I? What am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to be? There's a void and a hole inside of everybody outside of family. 
But when you get found and you get grafted into the kingdom, you find out who you are. You find out the way that you should think. And that is not popular to say. That we are supposed to be told how to think. We are instructed how to think. That goes against the American paradigm, doesn't it? Because we're supposed to be independent thinkers. We're supposed to think and self-discovery for ourselves. But when you're in the family, the kingdom of God and his word tells you how to think and how not to think. That's a challenging part. One that I realize has been manipulated by many people in my position. Because we speak the word in a way out of context to get you to do something that God called you not to do. I apologize for that. But if we look at the word and we look at what God says, he tells us how we ought to think. You see, if I say something and it doesn't line up in here, then I am a heretic. And we all have a little bit of heresy in us, don't we? We all miss it a little bit. That's why I encourage you to turn to your Bibles, to read Scripture together, that we could be in this together. You see, family, being in the kingdom, tells you who you are, as we read in the Scripture. It tells you what to think, and it also tells you what to do. And oftentimes, we chalk it up to a mystery. What should I do, Lord? What should I do? Really, we're just asking, God, what job do you want me to have so I can make the most money? God, tell me who I'm supposed to marry because I don't want to take a risk. Just point them out. We're waiting. We're waiting for God to make every single move in our life, but he's telling you who you are, how to think, and how to walk, and what to do. And you just step out in that obedience and you watch God just unfold your destiny and the the things that he has for you, how he has called you to walk. This is very challenging. The spiritual family is oneness because this goes against the very nature that we have taught ourselves over the last year where we look out for ourselves. Isn't that true? Corona, COVID, it was all about looking out for you. I got to do what's best for me. I got to stay away from everyone. I have to isolate. I have to put up walls. And really, it caused us to move into a place out of oneness with the family. And this is why we're preaching this series, because God is calling you to be one with his church and to walk with the church and to be his church so that we can represent who Christ is fully. It's when we're together that we find out what this is all about. It's when we're in it together that the mission goes forward. Now, there's caution. There's wisdom. There was things that we needed to do. Steps that we needed to take. There still may be some steps you need to take. Some moments where you have to control or move into a situation that is protecting your family. But don't let that consume your purpose and your mission. God's called you to be one with people, together with people, to walk with people, 
to love people. Don't just be self-consumed people. Spiritual family is kingdom. It is kingdom. It is calling us into walking with the kingdom. That spiritual family without Jesus is not spiritual family. Spiritual family is with Jesus and adopted into his kingdom. And spiritual family is constantly multiplying and reproducing and reaching other people and adding them into the family. I want to read a parable to you this morning. Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. Going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them, he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first will be last. You see, this illustrates to us the kingdom of God that is presented in such a way that makes people feel like it's unfair where all of a sudden they have a seat at the table that you worked so hard your whole life to be at. We, we, we sold out our whole life to be here, and now this person has a seat at the table too, and they're eating the same food. Do you realize that Jesus is talking about several different things here? The first thing he's talking about is those who were grafted and adopted in, seeds of Abraham, those Israelites who were there, the, the Jewish people, here they are. They, they, they're God's chosen people. They got a seat at the table. You see, when you're chosen by God, it makes you feel special, doesn't it? Am I the only one? It makes me feel special. It makes me feel like, man, God chose me. You see, they felt special. God chose them. It, it, it really makes you feel special when you're oppressed. How many of you know that's true? When you're oppressed... When your coworkers oppressing you, when your wife's oppressing you, <laughs> when, when your friends oppressing you, yeah, you may be oppressing me, but I'm chose by God, so it's okay. Sometimes, sometimes we feel special when we're chose, chosen by God, and you should, and we should, because you are unique, and God loves you, and he wants you. He cares about you. You're amazing, and he's adopting you. 
Well, you have the Jews who didn't want people who were not Jewish to be a part of the vineyard, to be a part. You kidding me? We went through the desert. We went through the Red Sea. We went through slavery. We went through all these tribulations. We were dragged to Babylon. We went everywhere. And now these people get the same seat at the table. It kind of makes you a little frustrated. And I want to let you know that that was exactly what Jesus was saying. That there is a seat at the table for the Gentile, for the Greek, for those who are not Jewish. There's a seat at the table and they were getting the same reward. This is good news for us who have received grace and have received the gospel. For us who, who, like me, at the age of seven, came to faith in Jesus and loved him and get to enjoy him and his presence and his very essence, I got to be a part of the family. He adopted me. But I want to tell you, there's also a seat at the table for the person who didn't do well last night. You know, it's so funny. I'm at home praying <laughs> with David and I. Oaks were talking about this Friday night. We're like, yeah, man, we were at home praying for our wives while our wives were out there partying. They were enjoying the pleasures of the world. And here we are fasting and praying. And then they get chosen. Then they get grafted in. Then they get the same seat at the table. This is good news. This is good news, but in a family, sometimes we just want it eh, just to be us. You ever just want it to be just you? Like, I got my people. I got my people. We don't need any more people. We're here. I like my table. How many of you like your table? How many of you took, like, some empty chairs away from your table? Like, no, no one else. No one else here. The Lord's saying, I'm adding to you. I want to multiply you. And there's people in the 11th hour that you need to help call into this vineyard, that you need to help call into this family. There's people this 11th hour who's standing by without purpose. I give purpose in family. I give oneness in family. I'm going to teach them how to think because the world lost its mind. I'm going to teach them how to walk because the world does not know how to walk. I'm going to teach them how to love because the world has not love. I'm going to teach them how to be the gospel because they do not know the gospel. So I want you to find those who are standing around without purpose and meeting and say, I got a place for you. God has a place for you. There's a vineyard waiting for you. There's a family. There's a family reunion. It's happening at Luminous Church. You need to come. There's a family reunion. It's happening. You need to be a part of it. There's something happening that God is up to that he wants to show you. You see, spiritual family doesn't play favorites. It doesn't play favorites. It sees every ethnicity and says you're part of the family. It sees every age and says, you're a part of the family. It sees every economic class and says, you are a part of the family. We're a part of the family. We get to be a part. Psalm 113.4 says this. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is seated on high? Who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? It is the Lord. The Lord. We think oftentimes linear, don't we? We think about 
achieving a ladder of success and a ladder of progression. We think about how, hey, you've been in the family longer, you should get to preach. Hey, you've been in the family longer, you should lead a life group. Hey, you've been in the family longer, uh, uh, we want you to come in. You realize that's not how it works. The Lord works in a different spatial space. He's outside of it. There's no linear progression for the Lord. He is outside of that. He made time. He made the linear progression. He made all that stuff. He is so beyond that. And he is elevating people into a place to be a part of the family. And I think about it oftentimes in our society and individualism. In our society without knowing what a family is. Broken family. Destructive family. Families that feel like just misrepresenting God's intent. God's intent. God's nature. What God wants. Sometimes we... We feel like everything is a race, and sometimes we feel behind. I I grew up with two brothers. Uh, My younger brother's here with my nephews. So excited to see Nathan here. I grew up with my younger brother and my older brother, and there was always a race. There was always this moment where we wanted to be the first one in the passenger seat up front. Shotgun, right? Whoever calls shotgun first gets the seat. Used to it was just run to it and jam fingers and break noses. But I think my mom put a stop to that and said, okay, the first one who says it. So we would find out who says it first. Sometimes we'd be leaving and say, I got shotgun on the way home. We're always racing for position. But the great news about the kingdom, everybody can ride shotgun. Everybody can ride in that front seat. Everybody gets to ride right there next to their dad. Right there next to the father. Right there saying, Lord, we're in this together. Thank you for saving me a seat. This is our God. This is what he does. This is what he wants for you. You have a place here in this family, and it's a very important place. This spiritual family with oneness, God has put purpose in you and direction in you, and it's incredible. He wants to include you on his mission. He wants to include you. He wants you to be a part. I think sometimes after a year of isolation, in a year of not coming to church, in a year of being socially distant, it can feel a little awkward coming back. I'm talking to mostly those online, but maybe you're here and you're feeling a little awkward. It feels a little strange. You saw some people like they've been friends for the last six months and you're just now stepping into the space. I want to let you know it can be a little awkward. It can be a little awkward. But God has a place for you. Don't do life alone. The great news is this. My friend Carlos, who I brought to tile my bathroom, I had Carlos do a couple other things. And Carlos learned his lesson. Carlos brings somebody with him. Carlos is always bringing somebody with him now. He realized 
two are better than one. I hope that we realize that, church, in this series and this year, being together is better than being alone. I want to pray for you if you close your eyes and bow your head. I want to pray for you right now, and I just want to ask the Father to come because you may be in different spaces right now. I realize that. I realize you may be in different places and you may be in different spaces right now and you may feel isolated and alone. You may be in the awkward stage where you just came to church for the first time and it feels a little out of place. I want to pray for you because in the family, there is love and there is reward. For the ones who showed up at church for the last 12 months, setting up and tearing down, do you realize you can have the same enjoyment together just like the ones who showed up first. And then maybe the ones who've labored for the last 12 months are getting a little bitter, getting a little frustrated. Oh, now you show up. Now you made it. I'm just praying that we can release that. That we would let oneness happen in our church. Oneness. Father, I just thank you. God, it's been a year. It's been a year. The family reunion can be a bit awkward. But by the end of it, we leave lifted up. Great spirits, knowing that you are enthroned. God, help us. Move in power. Move in strength. Lord, come to anybody who's still wrestling, still struggling. Maybe they're standing by idle. They're being invited into the vineyard, being invited into the kingdom. I want to let you know that the entrance to the vineyard is through the door. And the door is Jesus, who paid the ultimate price for you who gave his life and shed his blood so that whatever sin you may have can be forgiven. And it says, confess it at the door. Confess it to Christ and turn from that and walk through the door and accept his love and his grace and his forgiveness and trust him that he is a good vineyard owner. He is a good God and he loves you. He's restoring you. He wants to make all things new for you. God, we thank you for today. Thank you for who you are. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.